right, this is the Big Kid Show. I'm Mark, and thanks for kicking it with us, even if it's just for a little bit. With me, I've got two of your favorites, Big Nick and Brian, a.k.a. Mr. B. We welcome and appreciate your applause. Today, we will be playing one of our favorite formats, Top 3. Category for our Top 3 that we'll be discussing is... 90s Movie Villains. Let's face it, there were a lot of villains in this decade. Yes, that's 10 years, Big Nick, in case you were wondering. Um, There are a lot of villains in every decade, to be honest. Villains define the human nature that we want to see play out in front of us in almost every form of cinema that we consume. The formula that never seems to fail. It's the recipe that never gets stale. It's the reason we can have two million different comic book movies and keep coming back in record numbers. <laughs> no matter how many movies come out, we love having a good guy to root for, but maybe is equally a bad guy to despise. That bad guy can come in many forms. Sometimes they're the doofus that somehow is dumber than, air quotes, that one guy at work. Sometimes they're the genius that always seems to be a step ahead of the hero in the story. Sometimes they are so evil, it makes our skin crawl to think that they are someone or something that could ever exist in real life. So whether we are annoyed or terrified, we're always intrigued, craving to know how far this villain will go to get their way. We have an insatiable thirst to root for good to triumph over evil. Well, most of us do. (laughs) To root for the inherent good in the people around us. Well, today, let's flip the script and get our hands dirty with the bad. Let's celebrate the characters that make us thankful that they are only fiction. Hopefully. So throw away that Superman cape and get ready to come play on the dark side of the sandbox. (laughs) Big Nick, you won our coin toss earlier, so you can start us off on our journey of evil. Well, let me start off by saying, Mark, you are a bad man. You are a bad man, my friend. Bad man, but you. Uh, For my number three, we're going to count it down, right? We're all going to go around, give our three, then our two, then our one. For my number three, I went with, and I don't know that this is going to be a very popular choice, but it's a favorite of mine. I went with Mr. Caster Troy. Does anybody know who that is? Hmm. That sounds extremely familiar. I think if you mention the movie, we may... Caster oh, wait a minute, Troy wait a minute. It came to me, but go ahead. I was played by Nicolas Cage in the movie Face Off. Oh, nice. Yes. Yes. I, I would I, take I, your I face off. <laughs> I completely forgot that was the character's name. <laughs> yeah. So Caster Troy starts off being played by Nicolas Cage, and eventually it is played by John Travolta in a weird mix that we don't see very often <laughs> yeah, in, in a movie but uh caster troy is basically a freelance terrorist and he seems to be really good at this job because the fbi have been hunting him down for years and the man hunting him down is played by travolta who is sean archer now caster troy thinks you know what i'm going to do i'm going to get rid of my nemesis this sean archer guy I'm going to assassinate him at some kind of fair or festival thing or something of that nature. And he goes to take the shot, the kill shot when he's got old Sean Archer in the crosshairs. And all of a sudden the bullet hits Sean Archer's son instead. So we have a a killing of the uh, FBI agent's son by his nemesis, Caster Troy. And so Caster Troy He actually gets taken down by Sean Archer. And then later, after waking up from a coma, he realizes his face has been removed. And now he looks like John Travolta. (laughs) And so, yeah, he decides, you know what? I'm going to play this the best that I can. He kills everybody in the room. And then he goes over and he assumes Sean Archer's life. He's banging his wife he's he's running the household and then he goes to visit caster troy the people that everybody thinks is caster troy in prison and he decides i'm going to keep you here as long as possible i'm going to be out now i'm going to be the fbi agent i'm going to be living your life and you are going to sit here behind prison bars for the rest of your days and i won't tell you how the movie ends but there is multiple times that they switch faces 
spoiler alert (laughs) (laughs) that was one of the crazier movies i I remember when that came out it's a pretty original premise yeah really think about it for a movie but i always thought it was interesting like how they make the casting decisions of who ultimately ends up as the good guy and who ultimately ends up as the bad guy in those types of movies (laughs) well and that movie was great because you got to see both cage and look caster troy was the much more interesting of the two characters agreed he was much yeah. more flamboyant and entertaining. And it was cool to see both Travolta and Cage play that side of the coin compared to the more reserved FBI agent. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Troy. Absolutely. Quality choice there, Mr. Big Nick. All right, Mr. B, kick it over to you. All right. So what is your my number, number three? three, to me, because this was very tricky to pick how do you rank top three and how do you do it? So I just went with this one is an obscure villain from the great, great movie released in 1993, Jurassic Park. Dennis Nedry played by Wayne Knight, also known as Newman. Newman. I thought you were going to go with the Velociraptor. No, that's that's just a dinosaur, man. This is the dude. (laughs) If you remember, he was trying to sneak out the DNA. He hacked the computers and jacked them all up. The the camp or the park was working perfectly until he tried to be a jerk and steal this stuff. Got like 10 people killed. And he he even got killed himself. So uh, imagine this. This guy's like, I'm just going to steal some DNA. Oh, wait. Now, uh. Samuel Jackson's like I can't I can't hack into his computer so he's pissed and he's say what again yeah and, and they're trying to figure it out and it's like ah, ah, ah. Ah, ah, ah. that that's the thing to me it's hilarious is he put a picture of himself on ah, the ah, computer ah. screens saying ah, ah, ah. Well, and when I when like I was doing, with when the, I was thinking this through no, I was no, like no. man I, I loved that movie as a kid and I was like Newman God he was he was a terrible villain in that movie and even thinking about it like. I had the discussion with someone. I was like, well, what, was if, what if he would have got out with the DNA? Like, would that have changed all the movies to follow? Because this DNA would have gotten out way faster. Remember? Because there was like, isn't there like five Jurassic Park movies now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's but, a bunch. And, and all we really see in the movie was it got washed away in the rain. And that's all that we see. Yeah. But, but all those people that died in the movie would have not have died. Even some of the dinosaurs died, remember, because the T-Rex started killing everything else and the Velociraptors were killing goats and cows. And <laughs> so it was a bloodbath. I oh, of crazy stuff. <laughs> Dennis Nedry of Jurassic Park, played by Wayne Knight, also known as Newman. That's a despicable man. Despicable. Yes. He's my How number three, he? and I'm still mad at him. I'm still mad at him. If I see him, I'll be like, Newman, why'd you do that, bud? I can, I can feel your frustration with Newman. Oh, I'm fired up. You know what Newman's saying? Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, he's like, he's going, he's actually, he's going, hello, Jerry. Hello. <laughs> so, yeah, well, that's, Mr. My, that's my number three. A little obscure, as uh, you would think, a villain. But, again, without him locking down the computers, you don't have a Jurassic Park movie. Because you remember everything was That's working fine. So he jacked up the computers. They couldn't get in the computers. And all of this was to steal DNA for some kind of money see- scheme, which most villains are into it for money. So it is Nedry. That's a good point. So I, I don't know if um I don't know if you could have possibly led up to my choice any better, Mr. B, and been a better fluffer for my decision. Ooh, he picked the <laughs> Velociraptor. <laughs> I actually cheated a little bit and did a tandem, but uh, oh, they're all dinosaurs, so it doesn't Ooh. matter. I'm going with the T-Rex and the Velociraptors. A double. From Jurassic Park for my number three. So I'm, I'm going with the bundle package. We'll allow and it. And I think you bring, you bring up a good point, Brian. If it wasn't for the guy that you picked, I would, I would have a different number three. So yeah. thank you, Newman, for, for serving up the, uh, the number three choice. But um, but no, I, like you said, Jurassic Park. It was a huge movie. I mean, it grossed nine hundred fourteen million worldwide during its well, release. And, and the, the CGI stuff at the time was groundbreaking. I mean, remember it like yeah. it was literally like you were watching it. It wasn't like all that crappy stuff you saw even a couple years before. And I remember seeing that in the theater. It was just like, yeah. I was just going to say, did you gents see that in the theater? Because there are oh, yeah. 
I would say there's only a good number. I don't know what the number is. I, I don't know why I said good number. That's when you don't have a number. You say good number. But there's there's a certain number, let's say, of movies that must be seen in the theater to fully appreciate them. Jurassic Park is probably in the top 10 because yeah. the sound alone and it's freaking dinosaurs. You need to see them on the big screen or else there's no point. Oh, I yeah, absolutely completely agree well, with that point, Big Nick. I agree. And they they re-released it. So I don't know if you guys remember. I think it was two thousand early two thousand tens. They actually re-released it and they did it in three D. It cost them more than ten million dollars to redo that movie in three D. I never, I never saw it three D, but that would be and pretty. That cool. put it over the billion mark worldwide. So I mean, they they knew what they were doing. You know when they when they made that. The interesting thing is Michael Crichton, the guy that, that wrote the book. Mm-hmm. that really kind of was released in parallel with the movie was inspired. He said by Godzilla. So Godzilla was his inspiration. Yeah. Watch but, Godzilla with those, those, uh, CGI effects. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, and, and here's where I'm going to kind of go on a little bit of a rant. I'm going to try and keep it very short, but I got to tell you guys, when I was doing the research for this, I was just totally enthralled with a couple of videos that were out there on YouTube from the guys that created some of the dinosaurs. So yes, Brian, there definitely was some CGI. I thought it was almost all CGI. I was very wrong. Yeah. So Steven Spielberg actually wanted to do all animatronics for the entire set of dinosaurs. And then they found out very quickly that was going to be way too expensive and they didn't have a budget. So they pulled in um, this guy, Stan Winston. Are you guys familiar with him? Oh, I know Stan Winston. We hang out all the time. Absolutely. So he's done... He's done all kinds of different movies. His he has a school of Hollywood like design, right? And they've done Terminator, Alien movies, Predator movies, right? A lot of the big blockbuster movies. Um, and his company did the T Rex and the Raptors. The Raptors started off as pieces of foam. I don't know if you guys knew this. There was a guy inside of the Raptor um, body in like a skier position. So. <laughs> Do you guys remember the scene in Jurassic Park where the the raptors are hunting the two kids and they bust into the kitchen? Yes. And one of the raptors busts in and he stands up and kind of howls out and the other raptor Mm -hmm. kind of call the other raptor. That was a guy in a suit that they basically built. And he said he was in there for up to four hours at a time. He was training for like hours a day for weeks. He said it was killing his back. I couldn't even imagine being in that suit for, for that long. Um, but there was actually quite a bit that there was literally a dude in a suit and then they show it. Um, and then the T-Rex is just fascinating. I mean, they built a one fifth scale of the T-Rex, cut it into pieces, put those pieces against a piece of wood, cut out the wood, put the wood up against an opaque projector. And then use that to size the real life version of it they did. And basically what it ended up looking like, if you've ever been to a museum and you've seen a, a, a dinosaur that has like, it looks like plates that kind of yeah. look like where you'd have to see spines. Yeah. That's how they built it. And they wrapped it with chicken wire and uh, fiberglass, right? And then they used clay and then they used latex on top of that. Um, this is the last thing I'll say. I know I'm getting a little ranty with this. I could go Bubble gum about- and duct tape. <laughs> Probably have a whole episode just on this. There was actually a guy that almost died in the making of the T-Rex itself. So basically, they had to pull the, the latex skin over the clay when they had that on there. Um, and it was so it was like hundreds of feet long. They could only get their arms up in the front and the back. So somebody actually had to climb into the animatronic huge T-Rex that they built. Um, this thing was like 9,000 plus pounds of steel and wood and all the stuff he climbs in. Um, and basically he tells them, you know, he has to go in and glue it down from the inside and sew it up. Um, so this guy goes in and they have to move that power up the T-Rex and move the head in a position so that he can get in. And there's a whole bunch of hydraulic cylinders and sheets of metal and, they said the one thing you can't do is you can't power down the T-Rex because if that oh. happens, the T-Rex is going to collapse back down to its right. unpowered on status. And this guy's inside. So Murphy's Law, of course, the power the power at the studio went out when this guy is inside of the T-Rex. Uh-oh. I'm now making this up. So this is the quote from the guy. I'm just going to read this. 
I crapped my he pants. He said, suddenly I could hear the hydraulics stop and the power start going down. And I could hear a muffled shout from outside. There's somebody inside the T-Rex. All I could think of were these big hydraulic cylinders and giant metal sheets shearing across each other with me in the middle of it all. I pulled my hands and legs in as tightly to my chest as I could and just stayed like that, hoping no part of my body would get caught in all the moving metal. So they literally had to have guys push the head up and then he crawled out from the jaws. I don't mean to laugh at this at this poor man's yes. experience, but all I kept thinking about was I've decided the best way to kill the monster was from inside the beast. <laughs> inside the belly. The belly of the beast. Well, so... I have to bring up that, you know, them being your villains, all they're really doing is just being uh, their their human their their animal nature, right? That is true. Mm. And and actually, so I found this is an interesting thing: a list of confirmed deaths from Jurassic Park one. Okay, <laughs> and this includes dinosaurs and other animals. All right, so I, there's only okay. t- there's only ten on this list. So I'll fire through it. First oh, turn. It's- not as much of a no, bloodbath as only, I thought. Yeah, I thought that too when I looked. So the first person that died, I think, was a, a handler. His name was Joffrey Brown, died by Velociraptor. Then a cow died by Velociraptor. Yep. Then a goat by T-Rex. Mm-hmm. Then Donald Gennaro by T-Rex. I don't know who that dude was. Then Donald Di- was asking for it. Yeah. Then Dennis Nidri died by the that Dilophosaurus, the thing that spit in his face. Then he got mauled by it. <laughs> then a Gallimimius died by T-Rex. Then is that that's another dinosaur, I'm yes. guessing. Okay. Then Ray Arnold, a dude, uh dismembered by Velociraptor. Robert Muldoon, mauled by Velociraptor. Then Velociraptor one killed by T-Rex. Yes. Then Velociraptor two killed by T-Rex. So T-Rex really saved the day at the end. Didn't the old man have a heart yeah, attack? Did the true. old man die? I don't think he died, but I don't know if he did have they, some kind of heart. I guess attack. they they weren't calling that like a murder; they were calling that like natural right. cause death. But yeah, good question. But yeah, this one only had ten listed that I could find. So yeah, and it was kind of interesting because they uh, they confirmed that. So at the time, obviously in the movie, the T Rex could only hunt by sound. Right, that was kind of the premise that they went with. Mm-hmm. But it's even interesting since that movie was made. They've determined that. And they they think that it, it actually could hunt based on smell, and that it actually actually really had pretty excellent vision. So there were some some assumptions get, made. I, I think would get but one as a pet. Here here's the part that I bet you guys wouldn't guess. And then Big Nick, I know you got something. The sound of the T Rex's roar. So they used multiple animals to create the roar. I don't know if you're going to feel the same about it after I tell you what they were. Tiger. Makes total sense. Alligator, penguin, baby elephants. The tiger was going to be my guess without any options. So. (laughs) But he was a villain on set, uh, Mr. B. I I will will say that. I'll give you that. He was terrorizing stuff, but. I mean, he's just a dinosaur, man. He's just trying to walk around and bite stuff. He's trying to live. Hey, he's been in. He's been in dinosaur jail for how long? He was born in captivity, man. He's rage. So you're saying Newman was right. Trying Newman to- was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I could keep going on. We could have a whole episode, but I'll stop it there. So, all right. That wraps us up on the uh, the first round through. Let's uh, let's move on to, to the, the second round here in our number two. So, Big Nick, you want to get us kicked off with your number two? So, my number two, I went with, uh, look, and he's probably going to be the, the most interesting looking villain on anyone's list. Mm. So I went with Mr. Darth Maul from the Phantom Menace. And for those who don't recall, this guy is, you know, he was basically Darth Vader before Darth Vader. And he's kind of the ninja version of devil Darth Vader. Vader. Yeah. He's got (laughs) the look, and I don't know what kind of creature he is, but he's got, he's got the solid black face with the bright orange or bright, Red. I don't know if that's a tattoo or if that's part of his skin. I think he but, got he had a lot of work done his tattoos. <laughs> right. His face tattoo is even better than Mike Tyson's. But yeah, one of the best looking <laughs> uh, villains. Uh, I think one of the coolest looking villains. He he killed 
uh, Qui Gon Jinn, who was Liam Neeson. That's he, not easy to do. You, he's hard to kill. It's been proven he's hard to kill. Well, Darth Maul took him out. He is, we're led to believe that he dies at the end of the Phantom Menace because he's cut in half. He's bisected by Obi-Wan Kenobi, who uses Qui-Gon Jinn's lightsaber to cut Darth Maul in half. And then later we learn that he somehow survives being cut in half because he's in another movie, but now he's got like uh, robot legs in, in the other movie so he survived that and it, look he's got a really cool he's got a really cool weapon as well he's got the the double bladed yes. lightsaber i thought i mean how was cool was that when you saw look there was a lot of things that were not very impressive about the phantom menace darth maul was the thing that was impressive about the phantom menace he he's Thumbs one of the on better that. one of the better uh star wars villains i believe of all time and then as a side note here, um, I always found this to be weird in the Star Wars films. Obi-Wan Kenobi, when, when he goes into hiding, he goes by the name Ben Kenobi. Right? Like, that's like me going by Little Nick while I'm in hiding. Like, is, <laughs> what, I mean, couldn't you do a little better than you kept the same last name, man? Oh, God. What's your name? Uh, I'm Little Nick. Oh, that's weird. Never heard of that guy. Tiny Tim. I'm big Tim so now. Number two on my on my list, uh, Darth Maul. And again, if in, nobody, if you don't know what this guy looks like, Google this guy. He's very impressive. He's got he's got horns that come out of his head, and when he takes down the hood, it appears that they they go all the way around his head, like he's got a crown of horns awesome. coming out the top of his head, and he's got red devil eyes. The guy's very scary looking. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's a uh, popular or was a popular Halloween costume to uh, to partake. So I have a confession to make here, Nick. Uh oh, on how you're gonna feel about this. I've never seen that movie. You're gonna get Star Wars by a bunch of people. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, and the thing is, I like I thoroughly enjoyed the original three Star Wars. I saw uh, the first of the newest trilogy that just came out, but those are the only ones that I've ever seen. So I've got some work to do. I gotta Darth Maul against the- him. Just, just watch never, it just for Darth Maul alone. I, yeah. I I agree with Nick and Nick. That's one that I for some reason I didn't even put in my like possibility list. I don't know why I didn't even process that that because he's clearly a, a badass villain and just looks alone. If that dude popped up in your front door and was like, "What's up?" You'd be like, "Uh." <laughs> <laughs> right. When did that come out, Nick? That would have been ninety like nine. I'm guessing saying, it's the end of the nineties. Squeaking so, in, squeaking in by. Uh, probably end of the century and decade yeah it was 1999 <laughs> end of the century and the decade nice choice there big nick all right all right darth maul so let's move on mr b number two what do you got sir so this one when we we were shouting out topics like popped in my head instantly okay so this was one of the first off the rip and of course i being the researcher i am i dug into a little bit so Obviously, it was a movie from the 90s, but it was also from a book a few years earlier. Mrs. Annie Wilkes from the movie Misery. Great choice. So the Stephen King novel, which came out in 87, the movie film adaptation was released in 1990 called Misery. Um, If you've seen it, there's always a few scenes that pop out, but the ankle breaking scene. I mean, oh, even still to this day, if I watch that, you just go, ah, my God, my, my stomach just thinking about it. So when you look she at was terrifying. a villain like that, yes. And yeah. just, and again, if you if you read the book, there's way more to the story than what the movie does. I mean, the movie does a great job of showing it, but just like any Stephen King novel, you don't usually get the whole literary picture, but uh, doing a little research and you kind of see hints of this in the movie. She is a serial killer. So I don't know if you remember the, one of the scenes when he gets out of the room and he sees like a bunch of clippings and stuff about her being like a shady nurse. And yeah. I, I actually looked it up and I was trying to confirm like what her death count was. And they're guessing it could be up to 70 people. So let me ask a stupid question. I probably should know this. That was not based on a true story, right? 
No, it's a it's a it's a, it's a okay, okay. Yeah. Now it's yeah, yeah, sure. I, some of the stuff I read said there was some loose base of there's a nurse back in the I think yeah. the 50s or 60s that had killed a bunch of infants and then actually Sometimes he'll do that, you know, yeah. lightly basing on something yeah. but okay. Well, and he even know. also talked about that I you know uh, Stephen King, I guess, had a drug addiction at one point, and he actually based her off his drug addiction a little too, with how she, you know it was treating him. But you know, a serial bad, killer that yeah. apparently she killed her parents, her neighbors, a roommate, a hitchhiker, multiple people working as a nurse, and then of course, you know, found her favorite writer and just jacked him up. Um, She's a stand-up citizen. Yeah, and it was. Uh, I know uh, Big Nick being a Stephen King, King fan. It was the only movie that won a um, Academy Award out of all the Stephen King movies. So, The, really? Shining, the Shining didn't win an Academy Award, nor did uh, Shawshank Redemption. I was surprised by that. I was like, "Whoa, those two movies are wow. classics." I thought The Green Mile won one. Not from what I can. Maybe it won an Oscar, but I'm looking at. It said it's the only film to win a Academy Award was uh, Misery. Interesting. Well, and I think. Mr. B, going back to what yeah. I said in the intro, what's so scary about that villain, you know, is that she seems real. It's not well, like she, some supernatural or yeah. some completely out of the realm where you can compartmentalize and be like, all right, that's, you know, because some people have an issue with that with with horror movies. Like you look at like paranormal activity, it's a lot more frightening for some people than something that's like aliens, where it's yeah. maybe not as. Yeah, where yeah. It's, I mean, when you see her, even the opening scene, she's this unimposing, yeah, kind of person, and then very nice, just, yeah. and then they flashes of this dark side, and then like you dig into the history of that she's just killed, you know, I mean, seventy people put you on ranking as top serial killer in the, the U.S. Yeah, no, that's a great choice. That yeah, uh, and it's and if, really again, if you've not seen it, watch it again. I still the. The ankle breaking scene that actually uh, I saw was a uh, ranked Bravo like that um, uh, channel Bravo did a hundred scariest movie moments. And that one made number 12 and that's just not even movies, just movie moments. So yeah. And probably not even nineties, probably more, you no, know, that was of all time. Yeah. 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 yeah it's, that's... It was again, she, she clearly is my number two and don't become a writer and then get stranded in Maine or you're in trouble. Solid advice. Solid advice. Well, I think uh, that's a pretty quality choice, Mr. B. Um, well, let's keep it moving here. I think um, we're going to step into we're going to step into my number two here. So, Ooh. I think as soon as as soon as we mention this, this kind of like you said, Mr. B. This was one that I thought of that like really popped into my mind first. I. I won't be completely shocked if you guys have this as a number one. Obviously, we don't know what each other picked as we go through. Better not pick mine. I may have your number one, and if I do, I apologize. Um, But I'm going to go with a movie that was released in 1991. Um, It starred a who knew future politician in it. Um, But that's not the villain. The villain would be... The T, yeah, believe it or not, the politician was not the villain. Uh, it was the T-1000 from Terminator 2 Judgment Day. <laughs> yes. Ah, nice. That's a very good pick. The liquid that Terminator. Guy, yeah, that guy. So if anybody who's not familiar with the movie, it, it's set. Um, John Connor lives in Los Angeles with foster parents. His mother, Sarah Connor, um, she'd been prepping him throughout his childhood for a role as the human resistance leader against a company called Skynet, which... I'm pretty sure if you look at some of the robot YouTube videos coming out, we're, we're not too far away from it. But, um, <laughs> but basically, you know, she's kind of grooming him, and there's going to be a judgment day. Um, so yeah, I won't go too much into the detail of the movie, but essentially, Skynet sends a Terminator designated as T1000 to go back in time to kill John, right? And he's an advanced prototype made out of liquid metal that really gives it the ability to take on the shape and appearance of anything that it touches. Have you seen this boy? (laughs) So, and it can, I think one of the the craziest things that I remember the first time I saw the movie, this one was pretty groundbreaking from a a special effects perspective as well. Oh, I agree. Um, He could transform his arms into blades and other shapes, you know, at will. So, um, he's one of those guys, I think that, you know, you may not assess it as a, you know, realistic scenario, 
but man, you could not kill that thing. Like it's I remember liquid, watching it's liquid, that. man. It's liquid. Yeah. And then, and then it finds itself later. I mean, I feel like every time that we kind of went through, you know, they, they tried to go through and they tried to, to put him down, he would just end up coming back, you know? I, I'm having a hard time remembering how they actually did kill him. Yeah, I, I if you know what's because sad, you're actually, right. I'd Everything they tried seemed to, like, you fire bullets at the guy. They just, they create a hole and then boom, he heals. I would drink, uh, I would drink him and then turn into him myself. <laughs> you didn't think about that, did you? I don't think that's going to work. Uh, in my world, it does work. <laughs> you know what, Nick? I thought about, does he like, he doesn't get dropped in like the molten thing, does he? That might be, I think it has oh, yeah. something to do with, I, yeah. They were in a factory. I remember that. That was the final or, scenes. Or was it, remember, because he wasn't, he was frozen at one point, but then he thawed or something. I might have. Yeah, I think, I think it was, they were in like a factory that, uh, man, people have seen this movie. You're going to. Oh, we're going to get on us, but yeah, we're not, but, we're but not, we're yeah, not I think they, they were in a factory that basically, um, did like the, the melting of, of metal, the, but the, sm- the, the smelting, smelting, but the crazy <laughs> thing about that movie. So it came out in 91. The budget was 90, somewhere between like 94 and 102 million is where it was kind of guesstimated at, which easily put it at the most expensive film ever made, but it made over 500 million worldwide Good and was the highest grossing film of 91 and of Schwarzenegger's career um, and the highest grossing R-rated film of all time and also until to, Matrix yeah. Reloaded. Also, important note, and Big, big Nick would know this, one of the most awesome pinball games to play. If you've oh, ever, great if you've ever played T2 t- pinball, T2. It, it was like it took pinball to the next level at that time. I mean, I remember I was like, oh, it had the screen before the screen was cool. Like it did a bunch of stuff. And I mean, that's still one of my favorite pinballs to play. And that was, you know, early 90s. I mean, now if you play bin pinball, they're, they're way cool. But thumbs up to the pinball game, too. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the place that put the special effects together is a place called industrial light and magic. So their graphics department had to grow from six to 36 people to accommodate the work required to, to bring them to life. And it cost five and a half million dollars and eight months to produce. And it amounted to three and a half minutes of screen time for a lot of those special effect type. Oh, the, the and you know what? They probably underbid that job. Right, five and a half million actually seems fairly, fairly cheap mm-hmm. for well, the get, outcome. Like yeah, they're, I mean, afterwards, they're like, we should have, we really should have pushed for fifteen. Well, yeah, thirty six <laughs> people. I mean, and if you're top of your industry as a computer artist, yeah, if you do the math, what's five five million divided by thirty six? So, yeah. yeah. Well, another interesting thing is that. Um, there's several scenes with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Robert Patrick, obviously, who played T-1000. Um, they never exchanged a single line of dialogue face-to-face in that whole movie. <laughs> That's right. Because I think once they start fighting, they don't talk to each other, right? That's amazing, right? considering how good Arnold is is at the dialogue portion yeah. of these movies. <laughs> well, and I take that back. I was going to say, the, I, I take that back. The only line that was shared between the two was the hasta la vista, baby. Okay. And that was it. But, you know, yeah. And there were some words that the, uh, the exchange over the phone, um, you know, where it used John's voice. Oh, right? and, he's got, and he's got that knife through his uh, stepmom's head. Remember that? His, yeah. He turned his oh, forearm yeah, yeah. and he was holding her. I, was, I remember I, when they panned over to that, I was like, whoa. Yeah, there was some, some pretty brutal, pretty brutal moments in that one. But, <laughs> and um, if you remember, he made a cameo. In either Wayne's World or Wayne's World Two, when they get, oh, they right. get pulled he over, over, and he was like, yeah. "Have you seen this boy?" And they're like, and they "That's off. right." I forgot about that. Good call. I still Good love call. the part where Arnold tries to punch. Oh, and it goes yeah. punch him, and it goes into him, and he like he, he just, yeah, that's what a good movie. That's a good movie, and it's yeah, it's such a unique bad guy with the like liquid metal idea that just was awesome to me so good choice buddy absolutely well and, and i'll drop a couple uh quick fun facts on you because i know how much mr b loves his fun facts i hate fun um, facts 
So the, are fun. <laughs> the T-1000 was almost played by Billy Idol. <laughs> oh, that would Making that up. Cameron's original pick to play the T-1000 was Billy Idol. Girl. And there was, I guess, a serious motorcycle accident that Billy Idol yep. was in that prevented him from accepting. He almost movie. lost his life. He almost oh, lost Oh, man, his that movie would have been completely different if the lip curl guy just showed up, but he was like, uh-huh. So another one, the shopping mall where the two Terminators descend on John to, to try and uh, to find him. That's called Santa Monica Place. It's actually the same mall that was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Whoa, deep. So throw that out there. Um, and then the opening <laughs> war scene, do you guys remember that? With the, yes. uh, all the, like, the demolished steel yep. plant and all that stuff? Yeah, like the future. So, that was actually all real debris from the Universal Studio fire of 1989 from a disgruntled security guard who torched the back lot. Wow. And I would not have known that or even guessed that. Wow. Yeah, I read that. I was like, whoa, that's... What why were they saving that stuff? Yeah, like, <laughs> what's what's that? why is it still what there two years later? later? Yeah, right? I, I kind of thought the same thing because it was in 89. So well, what if they were already like in production and they're like wait a second we can use this we, they had it on hand for insurance purposes they were still waiting to collect yeah, the oh, insurance yeah, yeah um, this jake from state farm hadn't shown up yet right and now now that the insurance company found out that they actually use it in a movie they're like no they're going to want a piece of the action oh, yeah, exactly they're, they're, they're like, like wait just, you made money off of that hold on you can't hold total on. your delorean and also make money off of it that ain't going to work bro and then I'll give you my last and final, this may be my favorite. So the sound of the T-1000 transforming was a recording of two things. Dog food coming out of a can. Ugh. Ugh. Right? Jeez. And then another sound effect was achieved by wrapping a microphone in a latex condom and then sinking it into a mixture of water and flour brought to a boil. Who thinks of that stuff? Like the guys that People do the on sound LSD. design? People yeah. on LSD. People in LA, I guess. I don't know. Sorry, people in LA. Hey, man, let's go but, through the keyhole. Yeah, I just, I tell you what, man, you got to be creative to have that job. So, but either way, T1000, awesome bad guy. That's my number two. Good choice. So let's do a, uh, we'll do kind of a, a quick recap, quick, yeah. a little bit of a recap. Yeah. Uh, so, Big Nick, for your number three, you had Troy Caster. Caster Troy. Caster, Caster Troy. <laughs> Troy Caster. Troy Caster. Caster Troy. Who's, we're just switching it like faces. And uh, Darth Maul, right? Yep. And then Brian, we had uh, Dennis Nedry, right? Newman. Newman. And for your number two, you had... <laughs> I'm, I'm putting your memory on charge there, bro. <laughs> Annie Wilkes. Annie Wilkes. A little misery action. And then I've got the T-Rex and the Raptors from Jurassic Park and the T-1000. So let's, let's get, it, get it going here, guys. We'll the number get the, ones uh, are coming. The number ones. So Big Nick, kick us off. What do you got? I tell you what, it's an impressive list so far. Uh, we got a little bit of every flavor out there that you can think of, right? We got uh, freelance terrorist. We got uh, psycho woman who's probably killed dozens and dozens of people we have some nerd guy hiding behind a computer we got uh we got the uh, reptiles uh, uh, uh. and then who knows what t1000 actually is at the end of the day he could but, still be uh, roaming around with metal you know darth maul he's from space but uh i went with the man with just a regular oh, man oh. for for my just number one a, a regular man yeah, uh, and and I, his name is so well known. I don't even have to say the name of the movie that he was in. Ooh, let's test that theory. Yeah, Hannibal Lecter okay. is my number one. He <laughs> is just a regular man who likes to eat people. Hello, please. <laughs> <laughs> so the movie Silence of the Lambs comes out in 1991, and Hannibal Lecter he's this weird. He's a weird thing for for just the American population in general, right? Because he is this ultimate bad guy. He's a horrible, despicable person. Not only does he murder people, but he eats them. But in a weird way, you find yourself like, do you, 
you kind of cheer for him a little bit in some I, weird there's something seductive about Hannibal Lecter or at least the way that he's portrayed in the movie and you, not you know the word I would have thought of and Nick I I completely agree because it's like I mean if you talk about the guy without seeing him you're like yeah that dude should never be allowed to do anything but if you've watched especially a few of those movies at some point you're like man I hope he gets away and you're like wait a second what am I saying this dude would eat my face <laughs> yeah, he doesn't really seem to have any trouble killing whomever he wants to. At some point in the movie, they don't really go into the details of it. You don't see it, but he kills the the man in the cell next to him just by talking and whispering to him through the cells. Yeah, he, uh, he, he scares like- him to death and, and multiple MIGs swallows his un- own tongue. Because he's so afraid of Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, that's that's a true villain badass. If you could literally talk someone into killing themselves. And he helps the FBI track down a serial killer, Buffalo Bill. And then he he pulls off one of the most horrific, gruesome, and theatrical escapes ever when he escapes and, and goes off into freedom. And then we see him at the end of the movie and he's hunting down his nemesis, Dr. Chilton, who, uh, you know, was treating him, studying him, whatever you want to call it when he was, when he was locked up. I, I agree. That's, that's a terrifying fella. And I mean, you could even make the argument that Buffalo Bill could be up close as a runner up as you had two villains in that movie. If you really think about it. Yeah. But Buffalo Bill is one I saw. Yeah. I saw Hannibal Lecter too. I mean, he he definitely he didn't have like curb appeal, scariness. Curb appeal. You know I guess <laughs> think about. I it. wouldn't buy that criminal. <laughs> well, but if you think of some of these serial, like even looking at real serial killers in life, they don't come across. If you saw him walking down the street as a scary individual, it's once you know the capability of what yes. they're able to do is what makes them terrifying. And, and that's like we were talking about with Annie Wilkes and. That if you just exactly. saw if you saw yep. a picture of him, no big deal. But then you like that scene when they're wheel, when they're wheeling him around on the uh, the um, God, what are they called? Oh, on the dolly, dolly the, with, with the, the, board, with the thing on his face. I mean, I, I I was trying to talk my nephew into dressing up like that for Halloween <laughs> one year, and I couldn't get him to do it because I was like, man, how awesome if I just wheeled you up to the thing and you were like. <laughs> well, I tell you what, when you see the mask on him, the brown mask with the bars yeah, over his that's mouth, what I mean. then you know that dude's nothing to mess yeah. with. That's called an I will bite your face off mask. Yeah. Well, and he always had something interesting to say, whether it was something dark or maybe even funny or witty for quick, the moment. Quick witted. Yeah. He, he, what made him so terrifying was not just the, you know, how horribly he would kill people or what he would do to their bodies, but but also the intellect. He would use his intellect to get the better of whoever he he was against at the time. Now, he was named in uh, 2010, Entertainment Weekly named him one of the uh, 100 greatest characters of the last 20 years. Wow. And last year, he was listed as the 18th greatest villain in TV history by Rolling Stone magazine. Eighth? Wow. 18th. 18th in TV history. Still quite high. That's still yeah, top 20. Well, and it, so Hannibal the Cannibal, uh, also known as the Chesapeake Ripper, um, I think is is probably the best villain of the 90s, at least the most memorable. Well, and especially when they create a series of movies based off a villain, which you don't see that mm-hmm. very often. I mean, they didn't, they do, there's three movies in the series and then they actually did a, a TV series, right? Called Hannibal. Yeah, so there, there's, there's Red Dragon, one. The yeah, Silence no, I, of the Lambs, and Hannibal yeah. are the three movies, which were all three books as and, well. But they, and then they also did a TV series. Yes. Before that, they did a movie called Hannibal Rising, which was not, I don't believe it was based off of a book. It was only a movie. And that's yeah. a, that's like the prequel. That's yeah. about when, his when, childhood. When, when he's younger, yeah. Well, in the, the newer series, this is, we're not talking 90s at this point, we're talking more recent, but the, the series where it actually has him helping the FBI agent, that's actually a great series. They, well, uh, I mean, but it just shows you the, yeah. the it's got background. It's staying power. Yeah, the background of how good the villain is in terms of 
quality or whatever you want to, how you're going to not quality, but they can, they can do multiple movies and multiple TV series off this one villain. I mean, you don't, Usually yeah. you see that with heroes like Batman, Superman, not bad guys. So that's that's awesome. Yeah, I considered him and actually same thing. I had to look up like, all right, I don't think this dude is based off of a real life serial killer. And thankfully he's not. But I mean, yeah, he's well and he's he's a weird villain because, you know, before he is captured, before he is outed as a serial killer and, and caught and put behind bars, he is an active serial killer himself and he's assisting the FBI and hunting other serial killers and he's killing right under their noses. A well-respected psychiatrist. And then, yeah. And then afterwards he's locked up and he's helping them once again, track down the, um, the tooth fairy in uh, red dragon. Yep. And the whole time he's trying to kill Will Graham from behind bars. And then in silence of the lambs, similar situation, he's helping them hunt down Buffalo bill. Meanwhile, he's planning his escape. Well, yeah. And if you look back, smart fellow, I don't probably know all the details, but he was a killer with a little bit of ethics. You know, I mean, <laughs> well, he had a, he, an he appreciation did, did. for the female character. So Jodie Foster, yeah. obviously, who played. But he like he so. th- there was people he clearly could have killed and didn't. Besides, yeah. like the escape stuff. I mean, he tended to kill people and that weren't always good people or. You know, I mean, you didn't see him kill. People he despised for yeah, one so, reason or another. And sometimes so, it could just be their manners or their lack of yeah. etiquette. So yeah. he had he had a little bit of a ethos behind his killing. It wasn't just random killing. So, you know, Absolutely. he's 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 a he's a, a top notch uh, serial killer. Good choice. Good choice. Big Nick. <laughs> All right, Mr. B. Well, let's move on to your number one. Good, sir. What do you have in your top slot for so my number one? Because it can't, it can't be contained by one person. So it's a duo as my number one villain. Ah, stealing my strategy. Nice. Yes. And the first time you see these fellas is November 1990 in the blockbuster movie Home Alone. They, <laughs> they are called the Wet Bandits, known as Harry and Marv. That's my number one. I considered it number one. That's my number one. So their whole their whole plan is foiled by a by an eight year old. Exactly. (laughs) But hang on, let's get into this. I picked Hannibal Lecter. Don't be Mr. B. Speed. Yeah. Don't be don't be judging my villain. I didn't judge your villains. So you know, Harry. Which actually, I actually, you know, how hard it was to find these guys' last names. His name is. Harry Lime, played by Joe Pesci, and Marv Merchants, played by Daniel Stern. If you remember, their whole plot was, hey, all these people travel at Christmas. Let's break into their houses. So they do that, and then they, you know, of course, get away with a few of them. And their whole, their whole gimmick is, we'll leave the water running. That's the wet bandits. <laughs> Well, that's just a real. It also runs up the the water bill. Yeah, what I mean, a calling that, card. And like, let's just that's just a real dick move. And it it's is. destructive to the house, to the foundation, yeah. to the floors. Well, it ruins and, everything. And it's, you don't realize that's you're a homeowner when yeah. you're Bastards. watching that movie yeah. as a kid. You're like, that's just mean. As a homeowner, you're like, but the flooring and the ceiling above. And the- yeah, I would rather you <laughs> smash all my windows than leave my water running while I'm gone on Christmas. Yep. You know, so just not good guys, right? And then, of course, if you if we're sticking with '90s Home Alone two, they become the Sticky Bandits. So they get out of jail, they go to New York, and then they also track down Mr. Kevin McAllister again. But let's get realistic here. So these dudes are some turds, right? Breaking into houses. But do you guys remember like the final like ten minute scene when they're trying to break into the house and Kevin McAllister just kicks the crap out of them? Yeah. Okay. So I found an article where a, a medical doctor like watched those scenes and was like, all right, how many times would they have died? Mm. Okay. Cause you remember like blow torch to the head, blow torch, iron on the head, uh, yeah. slipped. I mean, how many times they fell on ice? So Harry, He's pretty ruthless. Yeah. Harry would have died nine times. Ooh. Okay. And Marv would have died 14 times. So if we're actually getting realistic, these are the worst criminals because they can't die. <laughs> <laughs> they literally survived 
literally uh, can't. They yeah. literally should have died a combined 23 times. Still alive. Well, and that's, yeah, you watch that movie and you're cheering on. I remember when I was a kid watching that movie, cheering on, um, you know, Macaulay Culkin and just being excited that a little kid could have that much power to be the the hero of that movie and kind of keep his his house safe. But man, he did some brutal stuff to those oh. guys. The, the, the article went on to say that Macaulay Culkin, the character, was a serial killer. He was just trying to straight murder these yeah. dudes. <laughs> like he wasn't like yeah, trying filthy to filthy animals. Yeah. <laughs> and so he was Nick, defending his house, right? And, and people had, he was defending have, his house. You have the right to defend your house. I agree, That's Big right. Nick. But my number one Absolutely. villain, the wet bandits slash sticky bandits. And of course. Big Nick loves fun facts. I got two or three quick fun facts. I do enjoy facts. So remember the tarantula that was crawling on um, Daniel yeah, Daniel Stern's sure. face? Yeah. Yes. Real tarantula. That was not fake. Oh. So, so they were like, hey, we're going to put a tarantula on your face. And he's like, uh, okay. Um, Sold. One of the actors that was offered the role instead of Joe Pesci. Take a guess. Hmm. Danny DeVito. Hey, good guess. Not correct. Uh, Just thinking of short guys. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I got nothing. I got nothing. Robert De Niro was offered that role. Wow. I can't believe he turned it down. You're going to break into this house. I'm going to break into this house. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that that meeting didn't take very long at all, right? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah, so like it's funny because I read that and I was like, man, that would have been a different movie if De Niro was like, you know what? I'm in on Home Alone. He actually probably would have made a bunch of money, but. Especially right after he did Goodfellas in 90. It's like, how do you go from Goodfellas to that? Yeah. And the scene, I think they caught him in like the treehouse and they're like, we're going to bite his fingers or something. Do you guys remember that? Yep. And, and Joe, fingers Joe, off. Joe Pesci really did accidentally bite Macaulay, Cungers, Macaulay Culkin's finger and like, like broke skin and drew blood because they shot the scene and he bit down on him and actually bit his finger, like bit the hell out of it. Like he still has a scar apparently on his finger, which is actually pretty sweet to be like, I got a scar from Joe Pesci. You got that? See, and I've always thought here, Mr. B, that that if I were to be cast to play anything, like, okay, yeah, you can act, right? But why not just do the stuff for real? Then then you, there is no, you pull it off perfect. Like, oh, he played that part perfectly. Like, yeah, because I really bit the kid's fingers. Yeah, I really did take a paint can to <laughs> the face. That looked real, right? Yeah, because I bit him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Nick, we know will bite kids. Nick's fingers. ruthless, man. Yeah. Yeah. And seriously. Last note: the the McAllister house. You remember that big house? Yeah, the mansion. Sold in 2015 for 1.85 million. Ooh, not bad. And I guess it's in a uh, suburb of Chicago or something. But mm-hmm. you know, so it was a big house. It was yeah. nice too. But it the problem is now everybody knows the layout of your house if they also want to plot a robbery. <laughs> like if you if you walk in, I mean there better be micro machines on the floor and paint cans flying out my head, or I'm leaving. <laughs> you guys aren't doing it right. Absolutely, oh, quality buddy. choice, whoever, Mr. B. Whoever purchased that house, I hope they updated the furnace. Yeah, the furnace <laughs> seemed a little out of date for a 1.5 million dollar home. I agree. Hey, some people like it old school, man. Uh, <laughs> All right, gents. Well, uh, good number one choices. Both of you guys had ones that I strongly considered making my top three, um, but they're still not as good as mine. So let's just get to the goods here. So let's go with uh, with my number one choice. I I think I can pretty confidently say that the guy that I picked, I won't even say the guy, the character that I picked for the number one on tonight's list Um really probably made every single kid afraid of clowns. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure you know exactly who I'm talking about. So we're going to kick it back to Stephen King based off of a 1986 novel. It was released in 1990. That character is Pennywise. Nice. Pennywise, Stephen King's It. So he was played by Tim Curry. Um, and, and I want to be specific. I think even if I, well, I don't think, I know. Even if I had a choice between 1990 
Pennywise versus the newer movie Pennywise, I would still pick Tim Curry's. Really? All right. I like to hear that. That's interesting. So I've only seen the first of the new uh, It movies, and I definitely will be watching the second one. Um, I I need to catch up on that one. But (laughs) even from the first one, not as good. But anyway, so the 1990 version played by Tim Curry um, was actually only filmed over a period of three months in New Westminster, British Columbia. So in Canada. Um, $12 million budget. Wasn't even a movie. It was actually an ABC um, multi-part series. Yeah, it was like, it was like a, a two-part movie or something. Two-part? No, it was. I think it took like a whole week to play that thing well, out. No, it was what? two-parter. Yes, yeah, so they had, they, I think it showed like an f- hour and a half and then an hour and a half or something like that. Okay. So exactly. Yep. So the first part was when they were kids. The second part was when they yeah. were adults. So they split the movie up into those two pieces, similar to actually how they did the new It movies. Yes. If you haven't seen them, sorry to spoil it, but the first one is kids, second one's as adults. And and they're they're both very good. They're both very, very good. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, the original vision for Pennywise included extensive latex prosthetics to give him like really carved cheekbones and the, the, you know, a huge forehead, probably actually more similar to what we see in today's. Um, but Tim Curry wasn't a fan. So the creative directors actually came up with a more stripped back look for him to try out. And really the rest is history. And I think that's actually why I like the, the 90 version. I feel like the newer one is a little too done up for my own tastes, just my tastes. Not everybody has to agree with that. Who this man? Um, but but it's interesting. Pennywise was one of Curry's least favorite roles. So that was mostly because of the lengthy process it took to get the makeup on and off. I don't know if you guys ever saw a movie called Legend. So it involved yes. a giant devil, basically, in that movie, mm-hmm. which Tim yeah. Curry played. So it was called The Lord of Darkness. And he took, it took five hours every morning to apply the face and body prosthetics. And he did that movie right before he did the It series. I think he was a little burned out on makeup and prosthetics. Yeah. I, 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 mean, even something like It, I'm sure it was multiple hours of sitting in a chair just to get yeah. ready. So, and if you have to do that for six months, I mean, yeah, you're going to be jaded about that crap. Yeah. And even, I mean, even with the, the Legend movie, they said he got so frustrated on removing them, you know, he, he, and taking the, the <laughs> own makeup, he actually ripped parts of his own skin off with the latex when he'd like rip it off. So it doesn't leave a good taste in your mouth. He he played a dead guy in uh, in Scrooged. Yeah. And so there was a lot of makeup and stuff. That, like, so it, what we're learning here is nobody wants to see this man as is. We we really have to spend hours I, to put him in a movie. I disagree. Well, he was amazing in Clue. Say it. Yes. Clue. Clue. So it's funny because if you look back at his older stuff, um, I think he was even on some Broadway stuff, but he wore makeup. Oh, yeah. Horror he, picture. Yeah, Rocky Horror he, Picture Show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but no, Clue, if you need to see Tim Curry, man, he such an amazing actor. I think I really like him as an actor, which, which probably drove into some of this. Uh, the thing I did not know, the crazy red hair that he had was real. That was his hair. So see? believe it or not. Um, Tim he Curry's actually did. Game. Yeah, he, hair game. He, most Wonder people think it was the wig. The drapes. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you send him a message? Fire crown, we would say. Um, hey, but Tim, yeah, he had to tease and frizzed up every single day. Big Nick wants to look at your junk. <laughs> <laughs> so another guess who could have played it? <laughs> you guys probably won't believe who else was considered for the role of uh, Pennywise in the oh, 1990s. He's got to be good. He's got to be good. Alice Cooper. <laughs> so think back to like Wayne's World. That's no why they, more, Mr. Nice Guy. <laughs> I try to think of his theatrical and movie chops. I'm like, well, he's in Wayne's World. That's about the only other thing I could think I'd of. I like Alice Cooper, but that would have been too. horrible. It would have yeah. been a horrible movie with yeah. him. Yeah. He's too smart um, for that role. Exactly. But who knows? Maybe he could have turned it on. His whole his whole concert show is a is a you know, is a, a horror show. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. he could have pulled it off. Absolutely. Who, I mean, yeah, crazier things have happened. Um, but yeah, so Pennywise, he actually appeared in quite a few of the other Stephen King books. Um, because the, the thing with Stephen King is it's supposed to really be all taking place, all of his books in the same universe. And there's kind of an overarching 
mythology, if you will, of, of all of his different books. Uh, but he showed up in Tommy Knockers, um, in Dreamcatcher. There's a, a poster of him, um, Insomnia. And there's a short story, I think, Gray Matter that he had. One of the craziest things that I read that I didn't realize, so the, the multi-series is, I think uh, it does check in just a little over three hours. There's less than 20 minutes of screen time for Pennywise in yeah. both of those movies. And I think that's uh, probably a theme if you looked at most of these, most villains, not all, but the more screen time they have, the less scarier they become. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It's like, it's more of like the secretiveness is what makes them scary that, you know, I mean, even like movies like The Exorcist and stuff where there's not even a bad guy is what scares you. So, exactly. Yeah. I, I, cause I, I, I rewatched that uh, when they first released the new It and uh, we watched it. And of course, like a big difference in the CGI skills they have. But yeah, you just, you don't see a lot of Pennywise. It's just little brief clips here and things that just get you enough. Enough scared to be like, what was that? Yeah. Well, and, and if you think about the iconic scene from it with the paper boat oh, yeah. going yeah. down the rain. Come here, I mean, Georgie. they did a great job in the remake of that. I will say that. But, um, you know, that scene, I literally was taking a walk with my dogs the other day and I walked past a drain. And it, it literally in my brain, I can't look at a drain since I've seen that first movie and not just at least have it pop for a second. Did you like, hear Pennywise on. down there? What's going yeah, on like down talking there? Talking to you. Give me a mocky. We all float down here. We all float down. <laughs> and well, you'll float too, Marky. <laughs> <laughs> so I will leave you guys with this quote from Pennywise because I think this really embodies what he was obviously he wasn't really a clown he was a multi-dimensional you know galactic creature i won't get into all that other stuff that he kind of turns into in the movies but i think this quote thoroughly sums it up and he says i'm every nightmare you've ever had i'm your worst dream come true i'm everything you were ever afraid of and i think that totally sums up pennywise and why i still hate clowns to this day are you sure that's not a quote from mike tyson it could be. It probably actually worked for both. So, but that's my number one, guys. Pennywise. Great number one. Yeah, that's. And again, Good choices all around, guys. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, and if again, watch watch the new ones, too, because, of course, they're done really well. But just the character alone, I love that you picked him because you know, I've yeah. read the I read the book and I've seen both of the series of movies and just just a scary theme behind it i mean like you said there's some paranormal and and then the clown persification is just awesome so great pick there big guy absolutely absolutely all right guys well that wraps us up let me give a quick review of what we've got so big nick number three we've got caster troy we've got darth maul and then we've got hannibal lecter pulling in at number one mr b we've got dennis nedry uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Annie Wilkes and Harry and Marv, the wet and sticky bandits, they're I guess dumb. we could say. Hey, they're so good. They're in two movies. Give me some weird spin off <laughs> of that title. but uh, And then I got the T-Rex and Raptors from Jurassic Park, T-1000 and Pennywise. Guys, any final thoughts or uh, honorable I'm, mentions I'm before we wrap up? I'm shocked that nobody picked Dr. Evil. So he was my number three and he got booted for the uh, dinosaurs. He was in consideration for me as well, but the humor takes over and makes him not as that. But see, to me, medicine. that's why I liked him as well. Is Cause like, you don't see a lot of funny bad guys, but yeah, an inept funny bad guy with that's bald and has a weird cat. I don't know, but it sounds, he was on my list. It sounds like actually, we all had him in our thoughts. In our prayers. I started to make notes on him, <laughs> and he unfortunately was bumped last minute. So sorry, Doctor Evil. One interesting take here is Mark's list. It it features no human awesome. beings. Yeah, there see, are no human beings in that because 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 mm, Mini point. Marcus is not scared of man. That's right. Not afraid of <laughs> Only man. Non man. Yeah, he's man scared. He's scared of non man. That's that is interesting that you. And actually, I'm, I'm sure a psychologist could look at our picks and be like, be like, tell us how messed up you are. Like, well, how, how, yeah, I'm clearly messed up, but I mean, you guys are also equally messed up. So good luck with that. 
I've been well, guys, we got to wrap been... this up because I got a session with my uh, shrink here right after. Right. I was going to say, hey, Mark, when you're scheduling your session for next week, you might want to ask him if you could push it to the second appointment of the day. Let the yeah. guy warm up a little bit yeah. because that's too, he's that's got a lot going at, on here. That's too much at 9 a.m. to come at yeah. you full force. Then. You guys were just my therapist for the last hour. I mean, I pretty much exercised all my demons about dinosaurs, clowns, and uh, liquid metal. So, hey, Big Nick, we just we're going to split 120 bucks, buddy. That's a good day. Exactly. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. That's right. I think there was a coupon for 12 bucks somewhere I found, so we can apply mm. that too. Uh, sounds uh, good. Well, I will give you guys one other honorable mention that I had, and I'm just going to name it with the quote, and you guys, I think, are going to know exactly who I'm talking about, and that is Pop Quiz Hotshot. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Howard Payne from keep Speed. This above 55 miles per hour. <laughs> Dennis Hopper, great, great film. Pop quiz hot shot. That's a great quote. That's he was very close to making my list as well, yes, and he would have been I a human. Him. So he may have been tossed off, but but man, he was such a good. He yeah. played such a good role in that. Mark movie. is not scared of humans, except for Howard Payne. <laughs> uh, All right. right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. We definitely had fun in the sandbox, and uh, hopefully you did too. We'll be back again with another episode. Until next time, be good. Don't be bad.